Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books and Great Homeschool Conventions. Welcome to Stories Are Soul Food. Today we're talking about the devil. Or the plural version, devils. We're talking about Wormwood, Screwtape, and the, the Great Town. The so gray we're going we're gonna to lump screw tape letters and the great divorce together in this conversation Mm -hmm. so could we safely say these are two of the most important works of english literature of all time yes is that is that an overstatement i think i think it could be seen as an overstatement but i think you're allowed to emphasize things (laughs) i'm allowed to overstate things well especially because these books are regarded because it's a podcast yeah i'm allowed to overstate things well yeah if we're taking Stephen a's advice you only only overstate things in order to get listeners. Mm. Yeah, we don't we don't need to do that. Yeah, but let's understate it. These are okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so we Lewis, understate it by let's we, we let's can... back up and give some context here. So, C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of things. He wrote whacking great big academic things, 16th century in the uh, English yeah, language, English, English literature in the 16th century, excluding drama. Right, as she was spoke. Yep, and. Books like The Discarded Image, it's a little lesser known that I like a lot. Uh, there's, there's a lot of Medieval things. cosmology, yep. So, Problem of Pain, Four Loves, Abolition of Man, lots and lots of great nonfiction. And then of his fiction, people run to Narnia. And Narnia is good stuff. Uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of great stuff there. And they, they kind of overlook the fact that his best sellers, his biggest best sellers are not the Narnia books. And a lot of people miss that. Oh, wow. So I don't think I even knew that. Number one bestseller for C.S. Lewis is Mere Christianity, which is fantastic in many ways. Uh, but his number one work of fiction is The Screwtape Letters. His number two work of fiction is The Great Divorce. Mm-hmm. And his number three is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Wow. So in terms of sales, they clock in. I mean, Screwtape Letters and The Great Divorce move a lot of units. And they move a lot of units every year in many, many territories and languages. So they are big, they're influential, they're outselling number one New York Times bestsellers that are new and current, and they just go. And their books about heaven and hell. Yep. And temptation. And temptation. So Screwtape Letters is kind of a a bent. And most people who are listening to this will already know the books because they're pervasive. If you haven't read them, you need to read them. Uh, and your yeah, kids, that's the easiest recommendation. Yeah, and your and your yeah, and your kids need to read them. And your kids need to read them at an early age. If they're a little young for it, they need to hear you read them aloud. So you know, when your kids start hitting 12, 13, 14, this is these are books you want them to process. If it's hard for them to get motivated and it's a bad taste in their mouths and it, you're turning C.S. Lewis into punishment, don't do it. Like, don't do that. Don't wreck him that way. Try to find ways, like we've talked about before, to make it into a positive experience. Do a re- read aloud if you haven't done a read aloud before. Do it where it's, you know, it's ice cream nights, you know, while, while we're doing it. Like, okay, so this is dessert and Lewis. You right. Know. They're eminently enjoyable it's weird that they're fiction because they feel so much like his nonfiction, which yep. is something admirable about lewis that he 
saw a different, he saw the same target that he wanted to hit with his nonfiction as with his fiction. And he kept trying different things, I yep. think, to reach it. And they're very, these two books are lumped together, but are very, very different in narrative approach. And so we have screw tape letters. Obviously, it's letters, it's an epistolary novel. I don't know that there's any book like it. There's many imitations, but I'm not sure what he was drawing on to know that this would work. <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write letters from a young demon to his old mentor. His old mentor. If mentor is the uh, right word for demon. Slash uncle. Yeah. You know, these, these letters from a nephew to an uncle, sort of an avuncular letter system from Wormwood, who's trying to get advice and trying to get counsel on how to corrupt somebody, how to corrupt a human. Yeah. And so... I mean, I feel like, could it be taken? Is it a morality play? Everything Lewis did is medieval. Is he grabbing yeah. <laughs> Is he grabbing a morality play with the, the red devil? Maybe. And, and speaking to the audience. And I'm just, just wondering about food for thought or his. I, you know, I honestly, I think he's tickling his own amusement. I think he's, there, there, are, there are things about Lewis where he's always, he's always amusing himself. And he's, but when he's amusing himself, he's always mining for perception. He's always mining for truth. And the impression I get reading Screwtape and The Great Divorce are both that this is, these are written by a very, very perceptive, wise man who also has a bit of a, a sparkling, twisted sense of humor in a, in a good way. For sure. And that he is using them almost as vehicles of discovery for himself. Mm -hmm. Like I, I feel like there are lessons here that he discovered on the page, you know, as he created the characters and created the situations and then followed them through the scenarios that he found insights. So when he successfully got all the way over into a demonic point of view and is looking at humanity coldly and from the outside and thinking about how to prey on, you know, this person and get them to self, you know, self-deception and other things, how to get them all tangled yeah, up and twisted. And it's really insightful and it's it's not at all what you expect. Whenever somebody gets a demon involved in literature, it's almost always ham-handed, gross, it's horror, it's whatever. But for him, it's very, very petty. It's it's very petty and puppeteering. You know, this this petty puppeteering to like tie somebody's shoelaces together and put tacks on their chair. Yeah, bureaucratic. You know, spiritually. Extremely bureaucratic. Yeah. And so with screw tape. Deeply insightful, you'll learn a lot about yourself. And that's the weird thing. He does this relay of mirrors. He's got this mirror system where you're, you get out yourself to get this demonic perspective, to get a perspective back on yourself that's more objective than the perception you have of yourself from within yourself. And so the discussion of how to destroy a, a soul, how to destroy a, a person, will reveal to you your own vulnerabilities that you did not know were there. You will find blind spots in yourself as a human that you could not have found if Lewis hadn't created a fictional demon to comment. To point them out for yeah, you. Yeah, to comment yeah, on that. especially with the strengths. I feel like he's, he's the demon's constantly inflating certain strengths that his victim has. Yep. But are actually, the flip side of that's the weakness. You know, which is, which is in mere Christianity, the idea yep. of send them rushing for the fire extinguisher when there's a yep. flood. Exactly. So if there's a flood, we need fire extinguishers. If there's a fire, we need matches or something. Yeah. But yeah, so screw tape is going to live on for a very long time, as long as there are people 
And as long as those people speak the English language, I think they're going to be learning from Screwtape. The great divorce, because Screwtape is not, is not a comment on, in any way, on metaphysics or on the structure of the, you know, the behavior of demons. It's a hundred percent far side demons, you know, cartoony demons, looking at humanity, but in a way that you will learn a lot from the honesty of their perception. You know, so they their honest perception of humanity, despite their own cartoony nature, will get you a ton and. Let me just recommend also the audiobook of Screwtape read by John Cleese. Oh, okay. So, All right, so, Monty Python himself. Yeah. So John Cleese reading Screwtape Letters is fantastic and a great listen. So if you've read it a hundred times already, you know, add the John Cleese version. Have to you it. heard they did just did a new one? Andy Circus did one. Did you listen to that? I haven't yet. Okay. I heard so, clips of it that sounded Sounded. Like he might have overdone it a bit, but it, <laughs> but it for sure was very entertaining. And then we move from Screwtape, we move over to The Great Divorce, and it's all it's it's a lot of the same thing in terms of insight into humanity's faults and temptations, but with a little more of his unique so-called Platonism that's not Platonism, his his inverted world system of the earth is the land of shadows. And you know, the, the in-between. So Platonism, the idea that it gets less and less material, the higher we go, the more spirit-like. Yeah. Up. So Platonism, whether you have the, the realm of the forms and then down here where, you know. Stuck in gross matter. Yep. Gross matter. And we have essence versus accidents. And so you're, if you, the, the, the real heart of a thing is its essence, which exists in this perfect immaterial spiritual plane chairness is what makes a chair a chair it participates in chairness up there in the realm of the forms and lewis flips that upside down and has earth is this world of shadows like it's it is less material than heaven right so it's not this is the world of the material and heaven is the immaterial it's earth is less material heaven is hyper material hell is even less material than earth mm-hmm you know, so it's a sliding scale from heaven, which is intense physicality, the intensely real and intensely physical, and then it steps down to the shadows of earth, and then down even more to the illusions of Greytown, you know, which okay. is the outskirts of hell. So Greytown's not even hell, it's the outskirts of pure darkness. And so he, he kind of sets this up, and he sets it up with a note saying, I'm not commenting on the actual structure of the afterlife because he's not espousing purgatory. He's not doing that. He's just, he sets this world up. Or the chance to repent after you die, those right. kinds of things. He's yeah. not making any theological claims there. He sets up this framework in order to walk humanity through a struggle to rise from Greytown into the world of the real, the outskirts of elsewhere, the outskirts of heaven. And we generally think of ghosts, like the afterlife ghosts as being far less material than us, right? Yeah. But Lewis wants us to think of, what is it? What's the biblical warrant for this one that I've heard explained? Oh, Jesus, after Jesus after the resurrection, yep. Yep. that he ate yeah. fish. So what, he, what Lewis is playing with is that the damned become less physical. Yeah. You know, they're, they're stuck kind Moving of- Moving away from each other. Yep, they're getting millennia. further and further away and they're dissipating and, and they are real. They, re, they still exist. And their own self-perception is not of themselves as immaterial. They exist at their own plane and believe it to be the material plane, but they can't step on a blade of grass without it piercing their feet. They can't 
Uh, if they get hit by a raindrop, it's going to pierce them like a bullet. Yeah, the sound is too much for them. Yep, the the light's too much. The everything's too much, and so it's retreat, retreat, retreat into into the outer darkness, or climb, you know, further up and further in to use his last battle phrase, and climb and climb and become progressively more and more real, become progressively more and more Christ-like. Yeah, and how how does that change happen? How do you? Well, it's with the leaving behind of what chains you to Greytown. Right? Yeah, leaving, you're leaving behind your sin and you're leaving behind yourself and most importantly, your worship and service of yourself. Right. And you are cl- in the Great Divorce, so as you climb into the mountains of towards heaven, you're moving towards God and away from your own self-obsession and self-service. And in doing so, you become more and more real, more and more physical. And so as you think about this, and how blasphemous it seems when if you you can get around it but if you think about the fact that being more physical more real more food more sweat you know yeah more mud more earth yeah what you think of as earthiness just that far more intense right much brighter much heavier much realer of course lewis images that as going up a waterfall in his other work just having the ability to swim up a waterfall yeah more yeah stronger stronger more physical and more intense further up and further in and so holiness is in in the evangelical world holiness is so often an abstraction and and spirituality is so often weak and feeble Mm -hmm. you know people that are seen as spiritual are those people who are intellectual primarily they have a they have an intense thought life so <laughs> you know, yeah, so they heavenly don't do, minded. They don't do much. <laughs> yeah, so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good. That, right. That idea, as opposed to somebody could be a lumberjack. Somebody could be splitting wood all day. Yeah. Doing it sacrificially, quite sweaty and physical and big. Mm-hmm. And that is a better picture of holiness than somebody who is uh, spending a lot of time with his books, and or the having her- a very pious thought life. Yeah, and uh, I was reminded when Lewis pictures your worship as yourself as this little little animal, familiar often. Yep. And I was kind of reminded of Philip Pullman. Does <laughs> does spirit, this is spirit animal thing? Yeah, does the opposite. And I I, I know that he overtly kind of hates Lewis. Yep. But he has like a, a a familiar spirit in the Golden Compass series. That's like that the the church is trying to sever you from do you think that's is that overt i mean it's gotta be right yeah he's smart enough to make that overt yeah uh pullman hates lewis above all else and uh other than god i think he hates god the most and then (laughs) then lewis but you have what you see that you see this in harry potter too where it's like your patronus is actually it's like your your deepest most noblest self (laughs) it's like Mm. what is the the picture of your true beautiful inner self what's this metaphorical thing your your patronus where lewis for lewis it's a little lizard on your shoulder you know it's uh you know it's a little dwarf controlling the the ventriloquist ventriloquist dummy you know you gotta break its back yeah you gotta gotta kill this thing dead and lewis's insight into narcissism and selfishness is unparalleled really i think he he sees it and spots it and calls it out and shows it to you in ways that most people will never notice and it's once you've seen it it's you can't unsee it whether it's a woman who is the thing keeping her from heaven 
is the fact that she's not properly dressed. It's all, it's always like super petty. Like I just, you know, I don't look good here. I can't, I'm sorry. I have to stay in hell. Like, because I am embarrassed. I'm ashamed. And so we would think of being ashamed as like a, a healthy, wholesome place to be. Or we would, and now more recently we would push towards body positivity. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's this weird moment where there's somebody who's feeling shame that, that they don't measure up. Then Lewis points out that that's self-obsession and, and focus on the self. An inability to be uglier, an inability to be less than others is caring too much about you. Mm. You know, it's like yeah. you should be able to embrace the fact that you are less, less than adequate. Right, you should or be hierarchically, hierarchically inferior. Yeah, you should be totally comfortable with the fact that you are not as good looking that you're not as athletic and you're not dressed for this. And if you are worried and honestly, you could be correct that you are not dressed for this and you are not as good looking, you're not as talented or whatever. And Lewis says, get over yourself. Like you'd right. be, you could be beating yourself up for all sorts of accurate reasons. And he says, get over yourself. It's not about you. Yeah. Like it's not about you is, is the number one theme of, of the great divorce. And right, because I'm remembering when they see that great lady going by, and yeah. you know the most noble. You'd be tempted to Sarah to, Smith. Yeah, you'd be tempted to fall down in front of her. Yeah, there's a huge parade, and and she's going by glorified, and the protagonist is told that she fed stray animals at the back door. Yeah, you know that she was she was kind. She right. was kind to stray animals, and so she's got this parade going. Uh, then, of course, we have a a, a priest who is so proud of his, his bold denials of the resurrection and so on, who's, who, who would, is not willing to come to heaven unless he could be of some service. Mm. Like he needs to be able to minister. And, right. and so then he has to get back to hell because he has a book group. <laughs> he's, mm. he's, presenting, <laughs> he's presenting papers. Yeah, that Lewis sense of humor really <laughs> does come through, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm reminded too, Pullman's a bat, the bad it version, but McDonald has got to be where Lewis is grabbing some of that idea from. Because yeah. in the second Curdy book, Princess and Curdy, yep. you know, Curdy gets the superpower. I don't remember who gives it to him, but he gets the superpower of being able to shake someone's hand and you feel the animal that they are inside. So you shake their hand <laughs> and you feel a vulture claw or a yep. warthog hoof or something like that. Yep. And, uh, well, yep. So, and, and that's as a side note, read George McDonald, read the Curdy books. And don't feel like you have to find genius everywhere that Lewis did, because Lewis found him to be way more of a genius than I found him to be. Well, the second book's tough. Yep. The second book's really tough to get through. Well, I'm thinking of like Fantasties and Lilith oh, and, other, yeah. and other things too, where you have the Curdy books, but then you have much more. And so Lewis found it Fantasties especially to be, just deeply influenced him. And, but he was gifted that way with Charles Williams and others. He would read things that made him think thoughts. That prov yeah. They provoked insights and ingenuities in his own perception, and he attributed those things to the the books he read that, that provoked it. So you you go read Fantasties and say, "I'm not having the same flash of genius." <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah not, you'd be like, "This feels like a very weird." Fairy I'm not. Tale. <laughs> I'm not getting struck with the same lightning bolt of of insight that Lewis was struck with. That's fine. Lewis did it for you. <laughs> like, yeah, go go read what Lewis wrote as a result of it. The way he carries from murderers in heaven, like very red state, Trump supporting 
uh, self-reliant guys in hell. You know, it's like, I never asked anything from nobody. You know, I'm, you know, just people who are very proud of themselves for not having been charity cases versus somebody who was just awful, who's in heaven because they, they knew they were awful and they put, they, they repented, they threw themselves away mm-hmm. and pursued Christ. And so you have angelic murderers and devolving good people. Yeah. You know, the, the people we would call good are not. Yeah. And the people who have received forgiveness are now being made real. And so Lewis, with the great divorce, he has no clear narrative personality. So it's episodic. It was written in serial in a magazine originally. Oh, okay. And so he, he, it's, it's first person, but with no clarity on, you know, who that person is and no, no real highly developed purpose for that person. It's an observer. You know, it's very uh, Dickensian in that way. It's somebody being taken through this, this observation and seeing all these different stories. Now, which is funny because if you jump over to Narnia and you have Lucy Pevensey wanting to know, you know, other things and Aslan telling her, it's like, that's not your story, Lucy, where you worry about you. And then you jump over to the great divorce and Lewis gives us this whole survey of everybody else's stories. <laughs> yeah. And there is no clear, there is no clear you, there is no clear protagonist. It's just lots of observation, but it's potent observation. And you're meant to see yourself in every, you know, little micro arc that happens that, that plays out. So there's a great deal of, a great deal of insight into the human condition and into the things that keep us from repenting. Christopher Hitchens on his deathbed wrote, he wrote an article. Oh yeah. Saying if I re- if I convert, don't believe me. Yeah, because he was dying of cancer. He was dying of cancer. He was scared. He was tempted to repent and convert, and he really didn't want to. But he thought he might, and he knew it would ruin his legacy with all his atheist fans. Mm-hmm. Like so, in his own alleged belief system, which he'd never actually believed, he's going to be dirt. He's going to be mulch. Like, what does he care? He can't. He's not going to care what people think of him on the other side when he's when he's mulch and nothing but mulch but he still did he still cared about his legacy and he wanted that legacy to be the legacy of a blaspheming atheist because Hmm. he'd been famous for it he got famous he had followers he had you know acolytes one last article for vanity fair yep and so he wrote an article saying if i convert don't believe me i mean he was right on the edge the thing that was holding him back you know the the thing that was holding him back there was was a really petty pride you know, it's, that's a, that's a perfect picture of somebody falling off a cliff and they're hanging on with one hand. And if they just let go of their manuscript with their other hand, they could grab on and be saved. Yeah. And he's, he's got his resume. He's got his, his Wikipedia page his and his CV. right, his, his really his Wikipedia page in yeah. his right hand, which is just so depressing. That's what he wouldn't let go of. Uh, he would not let go of that Wikipedia page you know, his past in order to grab on with both hands and be saved. Yeah. And it's very much a Lewis character from the great divorce. Like I'm hanging on with one hand. I don't want to die, but this is more important. You know, like this other thing in my hand is more important. Mm. Uh, one of the more depressing books I've ever read and really enjoyed uh, is a book called Camus and the minister about Camus 
wanting to be baptized. The existentialist writer, right? Yeah. Yep. So atheist, existentialist, famous French writer wanting to be baptized and a minister convincing him not to. No. Because he believe he, he basically just said in in the defense like a believing of the minister, minister, a believing minister. Well, so the whole story, the memoir is written by that minister. Oh. As a sort of uh penance of sorts. But uh he was guest preaching in Paris in a Methodist church. And the first Sunday, a bunch of people showed up and he thought he was feeling all good about himself and realized the organist was famous. And one of the <laughs> and one of the people there was Camus. There's this kind of like cool cat, French guy in sunglasses, you know, at church and met him afterwards and wanted to keep meeting and talking. So they started meeting to discuss things. And Camus was seeking, was curious about the gospel. And the person he grabbed onto was, was a Methodist American minister who then, when Camus said, I'm ready, I want to be baptized, told him, don't do that. That would be a huge publicity thing. Like, if you do that, it's going to be enormous. That's going to be such a big deal. Like, all your readers internationally, everything, it's going to be this massive. Like, uh, he's right. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. right. But that's the kind of thing when somebody wants to grab the cross. And you stopped. Like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Do you realize how all your fans are going to judge you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Like, so, I, in his defense, he wanted him to really mean it and to you know, not be, right. not be surprised by the consequences. But then uh, he died in a car wreck. Wait, Camus? Yeah. And so there's... How, how short? How soon? Or, or I think before the... So the guy was over there uh, in the summers in Paris. And so they met up. And in the, you know, in the interim, he died. Mm. And so... And he... Uh, a lot of people argue over whether or not it was a suicide. Whether or not it was an intentional thing. But uh, the point is... With Hitch and with others, uh, you see you see that insight that Lewis has into those moments, into those conversations where there's somebody who's considering repentance and then having conversations. And the thing that's keeping them from repentance is a fondness for lust. Like they just they know they'd have to obey God. They'd have to let go of this thing. Or a pride in their own righteousness is actually yeah. keeping them. What they've done for other people. Or a shame at their unrighteousness is keeping them. But ultimately, if their eyes are on the mirror in any way, if they're looking in the mirror, they're done. Uh You know, it's like it's, they can't. And so you have all these different conversations and dialogues with characters that are all conducted, ranging from George MacDonald to different angels, conducted by these angels, these these, uh, believers. They're not, you know, it's not the Archangel Michael. It's other humans who have become real having these conversations, trying to get people to let go of themselves and let go of their reflections. And, and they're even looking at a funhouse mirror. They're not even looking at you know, themselves honestly. Mm. So I think that Lewis was just really, really perceptive into sin, the human condition and self-absorption and the trap of the fall. And how difficult it is to, you know, have your fingers broken and let go of whatever little idol is, you know, keeping you back. Uh, and he explores them both. He explores that in screw tape and explores that in Great Divorce, but just from different directions, like from the point point of view of a demon, and from the point of view of an observer who's watching all these people on the journey, these other pilgrims. And I actually, I felt, I think the Great Divorce is heavily influenced by Pilgrim's Progress, honestly. Mm. 
it just fantastically reframed right and uh missing that central character that christian character it is it is is just a pair of eyes really so if you were going to try and turn it into something else or use it in a different narrative form would that be the route you'd go you need to make the main character real or would you? yeah so great divorce you know because i've been living with it forever uh as a story i knew and read and liked and also as a uh, film i want to make it is there there needs in order for it to be a film there needs to be a central narrative character on a journey that would be sort of like a a closet rod on which you can hang all these different episodes and these different characters but right. there has to be a through thread that would be true to lewis's imagination in general and to his purpose that enabled you to hang these different episodes mm-hmm. so and lewis brings out these truths everywhere he touches so in that hideous strength he's got a scene where they're all dressing in these medieval gowns for you know right Jane Studdick is up in the attics, you know, putting on the finery of Logris, and there's no mirrors. And you are, by design, you are not allowed to dress and gauge your dress by your reflection. You have to gauge whether or not you're dressed well by the expressed opinions and responses of others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when others tell you you are ready, you're ready. And you you're not allowed to even see yourself before you head to the the feast, yeah, of the Pendragon, right? Which is it's That's, just another yeah. way of him highlighting the same thing of just get over yourself is probably the single biggest theme of everything. Right? Lewis yeah, it's terrible when you're reading screw tape letters and all of a sudden the camera. It's like when the camera pans on normal old you sitting yeah. in the middle and you realize that's me. You're like, oh. <laughs> uh, you know, I really am not Darn that it. cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm also reminded too of Jungle Doctor. I think we've referenced yeah. briefly, but the monkey trap. Yep. Where you have the yep. a gourd with a hole that, in and it. And that is stuck with me forever. Put peanuts yeah. in a gourd or in a jar. And the monkey will hold on to the peanuts yep. even though it can't get its hand out until yep. it dies, until it is clubbed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So a classic um, Homo sapiens as yeah, well. <laughs> reach reach into the gourd, grab the peanuts, and then be unable to withdraw your fist. But and, and stay there till you're captured or killed. Right. Just let go of the peanuts. Just let go of your Wikipedia page, right. Christopher Hitchens. And I think he may have repented, by the way. I think Camus You think did. so? That, I think Camus, that makes people very mad for you to say that. Yeah. I well, like that, though. I, li- I think I like he did. It. I mean, I, I just think he did. Doesn't your grandpa say that? The, 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 you know there's several stages in that yeah. turning from darkness to light. And when the person starts to say the, the conditional with the if yeah. I, if yeah, I. Yeah, as soon as so my grandfather, an old evangelist, talks about the stages i wish i could remember all of them right now but uh he said you know somebody's going to become a christian when they start saying if i were to yeah and they start actually running the calculus on yeah what would make them convert and also what would happen if they converted yeah you know like that's uh i've got a friend right now who's you know very there (laughs) and avoiding me at the moment (laughs) (laughs) but um you know, who's willing to say lots of things, but just not quite get across the finish line. But Hitch started saying the if, if I, but if I convert, this will be why, and this will be how, and this is what it will be. Didn't he say he's basically scared? It's it's going to be the chemo talking. Yeah, it'd be the cancer, it'd be the fear. I'm like, yeah, true. Yes, yes, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But that is, you'll you'll be you'll get your toes over the edge of the abyss, and you'll see the brimstone down there, and. This ain't gonna the smell so good. In the incredible loneliness and 
he was he was not killed by lightning or by a bus. It was slow and it was painful. And he's he was an extremely intelligent, extremely courageous man. And so whatever you think of his worldview, he was a very courageous guy. And he was staring down at the brimstone and, you know, emailing my dad and asking questions like, when you pray for me, what do you pray for? And writing articles about if I convert, don't believe me. It's just the cancer talking. You know, and he had a lot, he had enough time. And then his believing brother was able to be with him at the end. And, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that I, I think I will be surprised if he did not. Yeah. But I know he didn't in any like grand public way. His brothers, you know, everybody has wanted his brother to say, oh yeah, he, he repented, but his brother's not said that. Right. Well, so we, it's, it's not, it has more to do with the conversations I happen to believe happened between Christopher and the one he's named after, after he was unconscious, mm. you know, but before he was gone. Hmm. You know, so well, if we learn the lesson of screw tape letters, it's keep you distracted, you know, and yeah. there's nothing quite like losing all of your work because you have cancer and are stuck in a hospital bed for keeping you right undistracted. You yep. know, there's you can't think about anything else. Yep. I don't, and... I, I, I don't remember who had that famous quote, you know, we only have one deathbed conversion in the Bible, yep, so that no one should be too cocky about it, but we do have one lest anyone despair. Yep. And it's pretty crystalline and it's, it's literally, uh, happens within seconds of the atonement is the first deathbed conversion. Right. So the fact that it's the first guy in line is also significant. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, a thief on the cross who's actually being executed with Christ and we're given the two pictures immediately and like, and yeah. every, honestly, like everything Lewis wrote in screw tape and and great divorce is informed by that, by the two thieves. So mm-hmm. I think that, um, and by their, their manner and their behavior and their different, their different types of brokenness. Okay. So you mean their response to actual truth? Yeah. So them being faced with truth, they have two, two ways to go. Two people are executed with Christ. That's not an accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence. This is by design. One sheep and one goat. Yep. And one reviles him as if he's still superior and is still more into himself. Like he's naked getting nailed to a cross and he still has some energy left to revile the maker of the world <laughs> next yeah. to him. Oof. And the other, uh, which is intensely petty, like that is intensely petty. Yeah. So he's not even like in shock or in his own, caught up in his own horror. Or he, aware of his own faults. Right, yeah, he, he is... <laughs> He is uh, alert and present enough to be wildly petty to his maker next to him. And then on the other side, you have Dismas, who uh, the traditional name for the thief on the cross who repents, who is very, it's very simple. It's a very simple, you know, very simple cry for help. And so I think that Lewis distills, and I think, I think this is the way the world is, it distills those two breaks like the wishbone breaking in those two characters and distills that out in all these different scenarios with overprotective moms and self-righteous self-reliant men and mm-hmm. priests who are all about themselves you know it's like yeah you know he he's uh he's brutal i mean he is brutal yeah and one of the most brutal episodes in the great divorce is a mom who's 
gone literally through hell and and gotten to the edge here and is experiencing intense physical pain and suffering in order to get further up into the outskirts of heaven to try to see her child who died and is not allowed to hmm. like gets to heaven and is not permitted to see her child and the the most brutal exchange there is when an angel tells her it's like because this is heaven for him mm. you know and, and you are you not. have no place in that because you for him to see you as you are and as you have been would be hell like mm. it's so you're rejected because he's supposed to be having a good time <laughs> you know it's like and this mother who's now died who lost her child on earth and has now died and has now gone through all this physical torture to climb through razor blade grass to get to this point to try to see her kid is rejected because she sucks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you suck a lot. And so right. I'm sorry, we're not gonna let you see your child. He does not belong to you. Right. Like, he is not yours. He is not about you. And so that particular tantrum in that particular moment is, is uh, one of the more heartbreaking episodes that, that Lewis dives into. And I think probably one of the best ones for our listeners and for us, you know, people in the church right? who really do are protective of their kids and really do feel like they, their kids belong to them. They are ours as opposed to younger brothers and sisters that we're watching that we're looking after. Yeah. So anyway, I love these two books. I know that I'll be reading them in decades and I know that I will be learning things. That would be an unrelenting movie. <laughs> I'm just trying to think how you'd be able to <laughs> that kind of thing when you have that much truth at, yeah, least, yeah. at least the parabolic form of Lewis's <laughs> writing gives you kind of breathing space yep. but when you see that person and see yourself in them man it's like and this is another way in which you're terrible and this is another way in which you're terrible and this is another way in which you're terrible <laughs> I mean, it's the honestly, same thing. Yeah. of course you're terrible so just stop right. being so into yourself because you're yeah. terrible so just let yeah. it go that only hurts if you haven't confessed that yeah just let it go be done be done with yourself read Screwtape listen to Screwtape both both of those are really valuable. It's a short, fast read. Read, read Screwtape yeah. Letters, but listen to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can read it to my children because I haven't done it yet. We'll see if they track. They're little. They're young. I bet Ash would like it. Yeah, probably. Letters from Demons. Yeah. It would be very interesting. <laughs> and then you're like, but they're so boring. Well, yeah, we've been having big discussions about, you know, they hear stories from certain friends who say they've had interactions with <laughs> the demonic. The so. demo yeah, great. So we have the big discussion Just, of... Just remind them that demons are petty and stupid. Right. And uh, if you let them go into pigs, they'll commit pig suicide instantly. Yeah. Salted pork. They'll be, they'll be homeless again, <laughs> right away. This constant self-destruction. So read these, listen to them and keep reading them. These are short books and they will yield a harvest every time you read them. Both of these are, they're so dense. They're so rich. It's kind of like getting chocolate lava cake in your you know, in your wheelhouse, you can do that, you know, do it, do it once a year, do it once a quarter. And right. It's intense. There's a lot there, but they're both really striking, both really compelling. And it astounds me that he had the perception and the imagination to have written both of them. And the themes are so consistent and coherent. Right. And the approaches are so wildly different. And yet the, the one consistent sense of humor and perception and just biting honesty just 
absolutely cold, unvarnished truth. That we'll shows to see up if our both. our listeners can share uh, some more mirrors. I like the idea, the the mirror theme. I feel like that's everywhere in Lewis, yep. and I want to hear the rest of them. The other ones where it shows up. The other ones where it shows up, but I think. Well, you see it until we have faces, which we're going to talk about yeah. also. Yeah. Just, I mean, the actual removal of a face. The whole theme is like, you are faceless. <laughs> mm. But yeah, the, the you see that self-absorption, the self-awareness is the thing he kicks against in both of them. You'll enjoy them. If you haven't read them, do so. And you'll never read them again for the first time. So really savor that. That, the first time reading Screwtape, I don't, you know. That's such a valuable, cool moment. We haven't, have, we haven't even spoiled it for you. If you have read it before, do it again, listen to it, come back around, put it in your regular annual rotation because they're, they're short, you can do that, and you will gain something every time. There you go. Alrighty, stories are soul food. Read more Lewis. That, that could also be the podcast. Read more read Lewis. Read more Lewis, and in parentheses, again. Don't be the monkey. <laughs> Don't be the monkey. Let go of the peanuts. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, check out the audio series, The Lewis Lectures by Douglas Wilson, streaming now on the Canon app.